Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Sabbath. We're rested. We're thanking. We're worshiping. And we do have that blessed assurance. We praise you for that. Keep that ringing in our minds and souls as we, as we plunge into this, this moment in Scripture, this moment in time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you believe it? I'm serious. How many fingers do I have up? Seven. That's how many Sabbaths now we've been in lockdown. Seven Sabbaths. This pandemic has shut the state of Michigan down and a whole lot of other states. The whole world. Anybody figured out yet? I asked this question when we began this little Corona Care Kit series. Anybody know when this is going to end? Seven Sabbaths later? We're saying, nope. I want to tell you something. Your pastors do not know. In fact, there's a team within our team that's working right now on the next series that will begin two weeks from the day. we got graduation next uh, week. It's really not a graduation, but the graduates are going to be tuning into our live stream. Uh, we'll, ha- we'll have a celebration for them. But in two weeks, new series. You're going to love the series. And you know what? We're working under this assumption. We're going to be right here where we are right now doing what God has asked us to do. I have a feeling in two weeks we will be right here. But I'm glad you're here. You know what? I've been praying to God. I'll just be be really candid with you. I'm asking God, would you please not let us go back to where we've been? And I'm talking about January, and I'm talking about February. And we had a blessed January and a wonderful February. But I'm saying, God, don't let us go back. Now, look, I don't want to be misunderstood here. We have a team of volunteers and volunteer leaders that, that puts Sabbath together every single week in an unforgettable way. Ministry to our kids, ministry to our teens, ministry to our students, ministry to the adults, ministry to every worshiper who enters a beautifully renovated sanctuary. Now, I'm not talking about I don't want to go back to that kind of teamwork and ministry. I'm just thinking you and I have changed. We're not the same. Seven weeks ago, we were not like we are right now. Not spiritually, not physically, of course. Maybe not even intellectually. We've changed. The church has changed. Well, I don't mean, I don't mean the sanctuary has changed. I, I step into it every now and then. Shh, don't tell anybody. And I'll sit in one of those pews and I'll pray. Now it's still beautiful. It's quiet. It's just longing for somebody to come back. So don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying I don't want to get back to that sanctuary. We, I want to go to that sanctuary, get back to that sanctuary yesterday. And I know you want to just as badly. So uh, what I'm thinking is because we've changed, it would be foolish for us to try to go back. This pandemic, this corona, coronavirus, COVID-19 business has changed. It's not only changed you, it's not only changed me, it's changed church. It's changed the wider church. It's changed culture. It's changed society. The whole world, the planet has been changed. So I'm texting last Sabbath to a, to a young uh, preacher friend of mine on the East Coast. And we're talking about this. He says, you know, I sat down with my staff this week and I said, hey, guys, we're doing good keeping our members busy. But our agenda now is getting our members ready. Ready for what? Ready for what's coming on the face of the earth. Come on. 
You know something's coming. I know something's coming. And between you and me, since we call ourselves Adventists, we know someone's coming. And that's why we can't go back. Pandemics have this way of, of, of upturning the apple cart and everything, everything, life as we once knew it. The paradigm has been radically changed. We can't go back to business as usual. That's what I'm saying. Is God in the business of getting us, away, getting us out of business as usual? My, there was a pandemic. This was a serious one. In the early church, in the New Testament. Let's go to that pandemic. Book of Acts. And oh my, was it a game changer. Please, look at this. I'm grabbing my Bible right here. Acts chapter 8. I'm in the New International Version. You got your Bible there? Good. Acts chapter 8. You got a device there that has the Bible on it? Fine by me. This is amazing. Here's why we can't go back. Acts chapter 8. Let's pick it up in verse 1. And Saul approved of their killing him. Whoa, stop, stop, stop. Killing who? Stephen, of course. Stephen gets stoned to death at the the last lines of Acts chapter 7. Two young men, brilliant minds, both of them, and they've gone head-to-head, toe-to-toe. Stephen's a new convert to this, this, this way called Christianity. Saul is a radical Jewish Pharisee. They've obviously debated publicly. Paul, Saul, it will be Paul one day, but Saul was instrumental securing the conviction and the execution of Stephen. So now, now with that in mind, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul approved of their killing him. That would be Stephen. And on that day, here it comes now, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul... Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And one time under oath, he's giving testimony in a court in Acts chapter 26. He not only says he dragged them off, he says, I killed them. Persecution explodes. But don't miss verse 4, the very next line. Those who had been scattered... Listen to this. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Do you know who's been scattered? We just read it. Everybody except the apostles. That's the entire church membership. Scattered. The Jerusalem, the mother church. People scattered, driven, fleeing for their lives. Those who've been scattered. So we're talking about the, the laity of the church. We're talking about the membership of the church. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now that preached the word makes it sound like it's a, profes- a professional category. That's a mistranslation, really, in all honesty. The Greek word is euangelizomai. From whence comes our word evangelizing. So it really reads this way. Those who had been scattered by the pandemic. Pandemic means global. This was pandemic for them. Those who had been scattered by the persecution proclaimed the good news of the death, burial, resurrection, and soon coming of the Lord Jesus. That's the gospel. They proclaimed the gospel. They preached the word, proclaiming the gospel wherever they went. Pandemic. What's going on here? Well, you can imagine it. God has used a pandemic. Pandemic of persecution to drive 
his infant church into the pandemic of spreading the good news. Because you see, what's happened to the church in Jerusalem is that even in this short span of time, this is just three years approximately, they become complacent. And Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll do it right here in Jerusalem. Listen, this is such a nice place. We really like it. It's a nice village. It's fun to live here. We have everything within our reach here. Uh, let the world come to us. That's the kind of thinking that has taken over that newly birthed Christian church. But God is not willing for that status quo, that deadly status quo to settle in on the infant church. And so God allows, he didn't cause it, we already know who caused it. God allows a pandemic to do what? To drive, to drive the church out of its complacency, away from the status quo, and into the world he's desperate to save. It's the nature of pandemics. They change, shift, boldly, radically shift the paradigm just like that. Everything's changed. And that's what happened with this pandemic of persecution. In fact, let's just read, keep reading. You, 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 we, I'll, read, I'll read verse 4. I'll get it right. I'll read verse 4 again. Those who had been scattered preached the word, evangelized, spread the good news wherever they went. Now verse 5. Come on. Philip went down to a city in Samaria. So this is, this is layman Philip. This is not Philip the disciple. Mm-mm. This, is, this is Deacon Philip. He was, he was one of the Hellenists, uh, Jews. Uh, he was a layman. He just grabbed and said, hey, you, you help the church. Okay, so that's this Philip. He went down to Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. Verse 6, And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. One little layman, driven out by a pandemic, chooses another city, moves into that city, and the whole city is turned upside down, set ablaze for the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Philip begins to communicate that life-changing gospel, and the city is changed. Wow. Just a little pandemic? Are you kidding? Huge. But it radically, may I repeat it, it radically shifts the paradigm. Status quo? No longer. You got a pandemic to wrestle with now. Get ready. Get set. Let's go. And that's what happens. By the way, this, this, this initiation of this pandemic of spreading the gospel is given some careful analysis by Dr. Luke, the historian, the physician who uh, wrote the book of Acts and, of course, his gospel. And I want to just go to a few lines. This is, a, this is a after the fact analysis. Did it work? Watch this. So I'm just going to run a few of these by. God allows this pandemic to happen. Why? Let's, let's, let's notice why. So we turn over here. I'm turning to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, I'm going to pick it up in verse 19. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution, so there's that pandemic. Those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, I've been on that island, Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. So they're still not getting it. God said, no, 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 there's a whole world, but they're focusing on the Jews. But, verse 20, some of them Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Guess what? It's working. He got them out. The pandemic 
radically shifted the paradigm and they're gone. It's working. The mission is engaged now. So this is Luke looking back over the years. So there's one. Let me give you another one. Turn to chapter 13. Okay, so just turn for me just a page over. Chapter 13. So now we're in the heart of, uh, of uh, Asia Minor. This is Gentile turf to the max. Chapter 13, drop down to verse 49. And the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Out, out, out they move. And when they move out, the kingdom of God advances. Let me give you another one. Acts chapter 14. These just keep coming. But it's helpful for us to to realize this pandemic was was allowed to achieve a kingdom mission. All right, here's here's chapter 14. Uh, Let's pick it up in verse 21. And they preached the gospel in that city and they won a large number of disciples. Now, that doesn't mean they won a large number of seminarians. No, disciple is a follower of Christ. Anybody who chooses Jesus, it becomes a disciple. You're a disciple, I'm a disciple. These are not the professional clergy that are being found now. Mm -mm. A large number of disciples. And then they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We, oh boy, here comes a line. We can't skip it. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Oh boy. We skipped that. We're forgetting what a, the reason for a pandemic's scattering. The deal with a pandemic is, after the pandemic, life is never easier. Life is harder. In fact, they're telling these new disciples, you need to just kind of be braced for this. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. God never promises that when he shifts the paradigm, and he allows a pandemic that suddenly life is, will, will get easy once again. It's not going to get easy for you. It's not going to get easy for me. Are we going to keep doing it like this? I have no idea. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. But while life gets harder, it does so for a reason. It gets way more productive spiritually. God is just growing his church right and left now because everybody, now the apostles, the church leadership, headquarters, state headquarters, but the rest of the church fanning out over the Roman Empire. Uh, Let's do one more. Acts chapter 17. So this is Luke after the fact analyzing the effects of the pandemic of persecution. Did it, did it scatter, did it scatter the friends of Jesus so that they spread the good news of the Savior? who died, who rose, and who was coming in, they spread it everywhere they went. Yep, yep, yep. Let's just take one more. Uh, This is Acts chapter 17 now. Drop down to verse 5. Okay, but but other Jews were jealous. So this is in Thessalonica. But other Jews were jealous of the the Gentile uh, citizenry turning to turning to Christ. So other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. Did somebody say it gets easier? No, it doesn't. We're going to experience hardship to get on the way to the kingdom. So they start a riot in the city and they rushed to Jason's house. So he's one of the new Gentile Christians. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers. So this is a, these are core, newly birthed 
young Christians, they drag Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And in the old King James, it says, these men who have turned the world upside down have come to us. Who's been turning the world upside down? It's this band of young, new, Gentile believers in Christ. They have turned the world upside down. Guess what? Check, check, check. The reasons for the pandemic? Yep, yep, yep. God got what he was bargaining for when he allowed that pandemic of persecution to explode in the heart of that mother church in Jerusalem. Because he gets a church now that's moving out, move out, move out, get away, get out. And they did. And everywhere they went. I'm just thinking this is the coolest thing. Oh, not about the, not about the persecution. No, I'm not thinking this pandemic you and I are experiencing is, is, is anything to celebrate. It's tragic. But the reality is that even the baddest of the bad news that the enemy can throw at us, God can turn that. God can turn that into good news. That's what he did at Calvary. Satan's worst that he hurled in the face of Jesus. God turns that into the mightiest victory in the history of the entire universe. That's what God specializes in. He can take a pandemic and out of it, win, win, win. Wow, it's still working. God says, I'm not letting you go back. Come on, Jerusalem. I'm not letting you go back. Nope. You guys spent three years there just looking at each other, having a great time. It's not enough. I have a world I've got to reach. This pandemic is going to drive you into that world. Ooh, those could be prophetic words about you and me. Could they be? Look, we can't go back. We can't settle for the status quo. And guess what? Pandemics refuse to allow us to go back. We'll never go back. Ever, ever, ever. Of course, the times are tough. Painful? Are you kidding? Hard? In the next century, about halfway through the next century, one of the church fathers was born. His name is Tertullian. Tertullian was from North Africa. And he makes a statement that, the, that Christianity has never forgotten. Tertullian wrote these words, The blood of Christians is seed. You're absolutely right. A pandemic is a crisis. But a cri- and a crisis or crises create pain. And pain mobilizes and immortalizes. So people who are suffering, people who are actually giving their lives for what they believe, the world, the onlooking world, stunned. Say, can you believe it? Look at these men and women. Look at these children. Look at the hope. Look at the peace they have. This, this, this Jesus, Christus. Look, the, look at the difference he makes. Ah, the blood of, the blood of Christians is seed. A pandemic of persecution can drive the church to a pandemic of spreading the gospel. It did in the book of Acts. Can it do it again? But of course. Uh, i got to go back to chapter 8 and just read that little sequence again. It's uh, verse 1, Acts 8, verse 1. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered through Judea and Samaria. Now drop down to verse 4. And those who had been scattered spread the good news wherever they went. I like the way Robert E. Coleman puts it in that classic of his. Here's the one line. We have not been called to hold the fort. 
Now, those of you that grew up in the Wild West, there may be some still alive. Probably not. But that, that expression is an old expression. Hold the fort. Yo, I'm going to be gone, but hold the fort while I'm gone. That kind of a thing. We have not been called to hold the fort, but to storm the heights. It's exactly right. That's why pandemics come. You're, you're, you're just holding the fort. You can't afford to hold the fort. We got to storm the heights. You go, Robert E. Coleman. Here's another one. Ralph Moore. Oh, I like this. Am I willing to accept? Yes. Okay, so I'm quoting him now. Am I willing to accept the Great Commission as a personal calling? If yes, then nothing will stand between us and spiritual revolution. If I will embrace the Great Commission as Jesus' personal, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. If I believe that Jesus has given me a personal commission to join me, Dwight, and your people, you join me. Y'all join me in making disciples of every nation on this planet. If I accept that as a personal calling, then we are on the cusp of a spiritual revolution. Ralph Moore is right. Now, let me give you one more. This is from, this is from Rebecca McLaughlin. She wrote Christianity Today's, Christianity Today's number one book. Okay, so it gets what's called the Gold Medallion Book of the Year Award. This is the number one book. In, in evangelical publishing. So I got the book. The title of her book, Confronting Christianity, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion. In that book, here come these words. I am not passively awaiting a place in the clouds, in the sweet by and by, in other words. I am not passively awaiting a place in the clouds. I am redeemed by Christ, so now I have work to do. End quote. Guess what? Me too. Guess what? You too. Now look, it may be a, a bit premature to suggest this, but, but I'm going to risk it, and I'm going to suggest it right now. It is very possible that this coronavirus pandemic has radically shifted God's calling on your life. I want you to just brood over that thought with me for a moment. Now let me explain what I'm thinking about. You've been on a great career trajectory. I've been watching you. Man, it is so clear to those who do know you and who are observing you that, wow, the blessing of God is upon him. The blessing of God is upon her. Now look, could it be though, I'm asking, could it be that the day is coming when God is going to draw real close to you up close and personal, whispering in your ear and planting the suggestion, I love the life you've lived and I have taken your personal gifts, which are from me, and I have taken your professional skills, which I've helped coach you. I have taken all of that and I'm wrapping it up into a new anointing a new calling for your life. The pandemic has struck the entire planet. These are urgent times. We can no longer do business as usual. So I'm talking to you, he whispers. I'm talking to you. I've been thinking. There's another way for you to live out your high calling. You say, Dwight, well, what would that be? Well, I have no idea. 
But could it be, come on, keep thinking with me, could it be that the mighty spirit of El Shaddai, we talked last Sabbath about about El Shaddai, the can-do God, could it be the mighty spirit of El Shaddai gets up close and personal with you and says, I'm about to, I'm about to shift your paradigm. You're doing fine with this lockdown. Everything's going great. Your job will be available for you. I'm imagining when all of this is over. But I want you to entertain a notion that maybe the God of the universe has something else right now he needs for you to do. As the book of Acts powerfully illustrates, pandemics are huge Factories, the kingdom of heaven seizes. Factories that produce radical disciples like they've never been before. A crisis brings to the surface what has been quietly nurturing, what has been quietly brewing. You've had no idea you were being nurtured and brewed for this moment. But a pandemic brings that to the surface. Could it be that the spirit of the almighty God is ready to shift the paradigm of your life as you know it right now. You say, ah, come on. I'm too young. You're too young. You can't be serious. I mean, you talk about like David. You talk about like the kid, John Mark. You're talking about Rhoda the girl in Acts. Too young. Hey, listen, you you come back next week. We'll do a live stream together, you and me. And let's think about that because we'll have a whole, we'll have a bunch of other young minds contemplating the future. You come back next week. We'll pick it up right there. You're not too young. Let me just tell you in advance. You are not too young. I don't care how old you are. If you're listening to me right now, you are not too young. You say, ah, but Dwight, you know what? I have, and I'm embarrassed to tell you this, you're telling me. I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I'm actually too successful now in my career. I can't change. I, I have established myself, my profession, the skills that I have. You just referenced those skills. Well, I got them. Uh, yeah, you probably are. All that you're suggesting right now, and I'm not challenging that. But the deal is God can retrofit you just like that. I mean, if it takes knocking you off a horse and putting you in darkness for three days and three nights to give you time to just kind of ruminate and brood over the meaning of life, he can do it. And when Paul comes out of that pause, his entire life has been changed. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He got it. God has ways of retrofitting. I don't care how old you are. I mean, you, you, can, you can tell God that you've spent your whole life as a shepherd. And that's what you know how to do now. And this is how I'm going to end my career, shepherding. But when you're bowing there at the foot of a burning bush, you're going to hear a voice that sounds like thunder announcing to you that as old as you are, you can now be retrofitted instantly for a brand new mission, an over, almost overwhelming mission that God is going to ask you to, to embrace. Yeah, talk to Moses. The point of the matter is, 
He said, ah, 80 years old, Moses. <laughs> you laugh. But have you noticed this in the pandemic we're in right now? Have you noticed that the call has gone out through the news media, through state uh, registries, that the call has gone out to nurses and physicians who have already retired? And do you know what these little memos they're getting are saying? The memos are saying this. Listen, can you come out of retirement? We need you. Come out. This is a time of crisis now. We need all hands on deck. Would you please be willing to step out of your comfortable retirement and step into a very dangerous environment? But you have the skills. You have the gifts. We need you now. Oh, my. Look, if, if, if a medical boards can do that with retirees, what's to say that the king of the universe can't do that with those of you that have... Well, can I just put it uh, plainly? You've, re- you've retired into a very comfortable life. The fact of the matter is, though, that for some of you who have retired into a very comfortable life, the truth is the shelf life of your professional life was not yet over when you retired. And there's more where that came from. And if God can take Moses, turn him around and retrofit him in a split second over Moses' great protestations and arguments, if God can do that with Moses, I suppose he could do that with you, couldn't he? Pull you out of retirement. You'd have to choose to do that, of course. Pull you out of retirement. Pandemics are the sort of crises that reactivate men and women who were comfortable in retirement. I'm just saying. I need you to work for me. The voice whispers to you. I need you to work for me in ways you've never thought of before. I'll give you the details. What are you talking about, God? Just get close to me. Stay close to me. I will let you know. I will impress you. I will tell you. Serious? Serious. Oh, boy. I'm going to close with a line or two from a little book I have in my library. I have it right here. It's a little book. Well, it's really very, very thin. It has a number nine on it, which means it's the last of a series of nine of these. And the author is near her own demise. It's called, uh, the, the series is called Testimonies for the Church. You may have heard of these books. I want to read to you. I'll open right to it. Perfect. Uh, page 96, if you're a note taker, this would be the ninth volume of the testimonies, page 96. Listen to this. God, God cannot forbear much longer. Already his judgments are beginning to fall in some places. Now listen, here comes the line. There will be a series of events revealing that God is master of the situation. That's not when the author is writing. She's looking down. She's looking to the return of Christ. And she writes, as we approach that black swan, as we talked about, as we described it last, last uh, Sabbath, that massive pandemic. And pandemic doesn't mean a virus. Pandemic just means global. That massive global event, the return of Christ. There will be a series of events revealing that God is master of the situation. Wow. I wonder how we'll know. 
Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Maybe we're already learning. I keep reading, the truth will be proclaimed. That's the point of a pandemic. It gets the truth out. The truth will be proclaimed in clear, unmistakable language. As, as a people, speaking of our little faith community, we must prepare the way of the Lord under the overruling guidance of the Holy Spirit. The gospel must be given in its purity. We're talking about high-octane good news, the Jesus who died, who rose again, who returned to heaven, who's been our, our high priest, who's the judge of the world, the judge of the universe is the soon-coming king. Okay, so that's the gospel, the everlasting gospel, the Bible calls it. The gospel in its purity is to be given. Now listen to this. Here, here we go. In all fields, how many fields? All fields, anywhere on earth. All right? In all fields, men and women will be called from the plow. Now what's the plow? The plow represents blue-collar work. The, the, the planet is... is Hugely dependent on faithful blue-collar work. There's no question about it. All over the planet. So men and women, men and, men and women are going to be called from the plow. Now, and okay, so here's the other category, and from the more common commercial business vocations. That's white collar. So you have blue collar, you have white collar. Men and women will be called from those vocations to do what? Keep reading. And will be educated in connection with men and women of experience. So obviously, these are people who have never really formally done any kind of, you know, sharing of the gospel in any sort of uh, more than private way. These are people that if they could just tag alongside someone of experience and say, yo, how do you do that? Yo, how do you do that? Oh, I see. So there's a little bit of mentoring that's going on here, but they don't stay mentoring. Listen to this. As they, le- as they learn to labor effectively, they will proclaim the truth with power. As in the book of Acts, power. Scattered by the pandemic of persecution, F- Philip, a deacon, he's healing people. The city is rejoicing. We're talking about men and women who leave what they were once doing and take up God's assignment. Through most wonderful workings of divine providence, the mountains of difficulty will be removed and cast into the midst of the sea. Because some of you right now are thinking of mountains of difficulty right there. Can't, 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 can't. I can't do that. What would I do there? Can't, 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 can't. Mountains of difficulty. The mountains of difficulty will be removed and cast into the sea. Remember, he's El Shaddai. He's the can-do God. And if he's calling you, he'll equip you. If he's calling you, he'll empower you. If he's calling you, he'll enable you. Don't you worry about it. (laughs) Oh, I got to end this because we're right at the end. The message that means so much to the dwellers upon the earth that they're desperate to hear and they don't even know it. The message that means so much to the dwellers upon the earth will be heard and understood. Men and women will know what is truth. Onward and still onward, the work will advance until the whole earth shall have been warned, and then shall the end come. Just like that, it's over. So will you go for him? Will you say yes to his claim? 
to his calling upon your life right now? Here's what I know. Jesus saves. Jesus is coming soon. And Jesus needs you now. Are you willing to say yes? I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you. In fact, let's pray right now. Oh God, another pandemic in Scripture of people becoming complacent. They didn't want to get out. They didn't want to have to upset their comfortable status quo. And so you allowed the pandemic of persecution to come sweeping over them and they're driven out. Why? Because you have one solitary mission that's worth living and dying for. And that is to seek and save the lost, every lost man, woman, and child on this planet. So dear God, somebody's listening right now to this prayer. And inside her heart, inside his mind, the spirit of El Shaddai, the Almighty God is whispering. Whatever is being whispered, dear Father, and only you are privy to that, whatever is being whispered, here's my prayer. Give that man, give that woman, give that young man and young woman the courage to say yes. And you promise us, I know you do, that the best is yet to come. To which we say, Hallelujah and Amen in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.